want to talk about the TikTok community and how TikTok for you has actually changed the game a bit. Mm. Yeah, indeed. It has. It's TikTok has been an interesting, an interesting ride. It's, it's like riding a, like a beast of some kind. Uh, you know, t- trying to figure out what the algorithm wants, like how it works, what works, what doesn't. It's it's an interesting community. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what have you found so far with the algorithm and how it works and what's taken off? What do people want? Well, as far as what I've seen. Um, my posts that have done the best on TikTok have been ones that kind of go along the main vein of what's going on in the community at the time. Like I'm more the spiritual niche, that sort of community. And yeah. so you really do have to have your finger on the pulse of what's going on in the community um, and make content centered around what's already popular. So I guess that's like the the motif of TikTok is like mm-hmm. this type of content is blowing up. So make that type of content. In my niche, it's it's relatively the same. It's like you gotta you you have to be a watcher of TikTok to know what exactly to make, in mm-hmm. order to, you know, have any sort of success. I want to say. Yeah. Have Have you ever made videos without any concern of what's going on with the algorithm, just because you really want to talk about this certain thing and that thing blows up? Mm. Oh, that's actually how my channel, more well, my my page actually went. Um, my wife forced me to make a TikTok. Well, she didn't force me, but she uh, she suggested strongly that it was a good idea. And I was like, ah, TikTok just isn't my speed. I'm more YouTube. Like, you know, it's, I feel like it's more impactful on YouTube. But I eventually was just like, you know what, whatever. I'm just going to get on TikTok. I made a quick page or whatever. And uh, I had my first video was just me talking about whatever revelation I was getting at the time. Mm. And I was just like, here's this message. I hope it helps you guys. There you go. And it got several thousand views and then my next post got twice or three times that many views and after i think a week or so i had like ten thousand followers or something i was like okay <laughs> if it works i mean it's a, it's i wasn't good, doing anything crazy but it's a good feeling when that happens you know when one of your videos yeah, just gets oh, a couple absolutely. hundred thousand views maybe some i think some of yours got in, into the millions or put it yeah a few, few got into the millions and that's yeah certainly a good feeling and um how did you get into all this, this spirituality type stuff? Because your videos go quite deep and it seems like you've got a very diverse range of knowledge that most people just you don't have. Mm, well, I've, I've been around the block, so to speak, uh, spiritually. Um, I first got my start in spirituality. Uh, just being a curious kid, I was more a loner. I was on the outside of things. And so it gave me a lot of room to think. And I got into philosophy uh, quite a bit. Uh, then that kind of moved me into understanding consciousness and consciousness again evolved into this idea about uh, the subconscious mind and that progressed into wanting to learn hypnosis because I believed as a kid that there was some innate ability, some power that I wasn't tapping into that through the subconscious mind I had access to and like a cascading effect. It just I just kept learning new things, kept meeting new people. Um, a lot of what I know, I owe in large part to the people I've met who have firsthand shown me the abilities. I've had experiences based on other people, gone places, learned things. Uh, it's just been the people I've met, mentors I've had. Wow. And can I talk about your effect on other people? Have you worked with, with clients or even with friends who you've maybe done a meditation with or hypnosis with or spent a lot of time with and all of a sudden they're having similar experiences to what you were having as well? 
that's one of the things I pride myself on uh, <laughs> is be friends or clients or like uh, just someone I'd meet because I'd go to conferences a lot, like these spiritual sort of conferences and things. And um, and when I was a Christian, I, I went to different churches in the area and I made it my mission to kind of bounce around and just kind of be ubiquitous in this sort of environment. And um, I noticed that I had an effect where I would share an experience or I would I would share my excitement and my zeal about something and that person would later have the door open for them. And it worked in the same way it did uh, for me. That's how it happened for me. I had a friend whose family was very spiritual. They had lots of paranormal things happen, you know, like ghost things like that. He would see them. And, you know, so he was very interesting and he would share those stories with me. And it was like a, a magnet effect, like the experiences started happening to me. And so I learned through time that there's something about the testimony, the expressing of your story that makes it conducive for someone else to experience it. Wow. Do you reckon that's more on an energetic level? I think you're getting within their energy in their auric field or they're actually planting seeds in your subconscious mind. And once you believe them, it opens the door to this whole new world. I think it's a bit of both, uh, leaning more toward the latter, simply because when you you show up into someone's life and you are the exception to the rule of normality, mm. you come in and you're like, I've had these experiences. This happens. Here's some of the result of my life into yours. And what happens is, like you said, you plant the seed and it's almost like you open the door for them. Just like in the running of the four-minute mile in the Olympics, uh, when the, the first person broke that record, everyone else was like, oh, this is possible. I can push myself to do that. It's like you're opening the door of possibility where it was previously closed. Wow. And um, talking about psychedelics, for example, because I'm in a spiritual community, in, in quite large amounts of spiritual communities, and there's a few people who are somewhat professionals who don't do psychedelics, and they have experiences by sitting within their own power, but there's his people will go on psychedelics, ayahuasca, things of that nature. Do you think it's essential that we need these psychedelic plants or what are your, what's your take on them? Not at all. Not at all. You, you definitely don't need them. Uh, I've heard a lot of people refer to them as like a shortcut a tool uh, that a shaman would use is more my speed. I've experimented with some psychedelics and had very interesting experiences. Um, some of the most profound being astral projection type experiences where the substance itself has gotten me to the threshold of some strange encounter and now i have to navigate it but for me personally that's it's like throwing me in the deep end of a pool for me it's too much i you know it lacks control for some people it is is very therapeutic it's an opportunity for them to look in the mirror at themselves and kind of work through their own uh you know mishaps and figure their life out but uh, for others you kind of got to find your speed for me, mm. control is more in line with developing my meditative skills, learning trance, learning to uh, move my awareness and, and consciously have astral projection experiences as opposed to taking a five gram heroic dose of mushrooms and being gone for the next 12 hours. I mean, to each his own. It just depends on what works for you. True. Very true. Because some of the most speaking of marijuana, for, for example, with me, if I have even a little bit of marijuana, I could probably leave my body very easily without yeah. control or I'd have really intense experiences or just my third eye would be wide open but for other people they'll just have a laugh and chill out and watch tv so um what do you think makes that difference between people and how these plants affect them 
uh, just speaking from my own experience, and you and I are a lot alike in that regard. Um, I noticed that very early on, I would smoke even a little bit, you know, just just a little bit in passing with friends, and I would be having mind-bending LSD-like trips, and I'd be like, "There's no way this is normal. Something has to be wrong with me." Um, come to find out that. I mean, I don't want to say, well, we're just more spiritual people. So, you know, we're just these things happen. But I feel it is a, a level of sensitivity. You know, mm. everybody's body is different uh, from a scientific perspective. You know, it has to do with your the chemistry of your brain. You know, obviously, some substances just don't mess well with people. Mm. Um, but on a spiritual level, I think it is just a level of receptiveness and sensitivity that people like you and I have. Yeah, that's fair enough. And going back into into childhood, when did you first start having spiritual experiences or maybe seeing things or leaving your body? Was it early on or did it take a bit of time? No, I was I was always a rather strange kid when I was little, but the spiritual encounters didn't really start unveiling themselves until I went looking for them. In a mm. way, I I was always spiritual. I know that's rather rather vague to say, but when I was younger, it was almost like you know something is there, but I can't put my finger on what it is. I'm just drawn to sitting in dark rooms. I just like being by myself and talking out loud. There's something going on here. I have an imaginary friend. I don't know what it means, but, you know, things like that. Uh, yeah. But when I progressed and I took my spirituality, like, and gave it its own legs, that's when I started to have these experiences. Mm. If someone is looking to astral travel and... Um, what would you recommend to them to do to build build themselves up to be able to do it consciously without it being a random mm. happening? Yeah, spontaneous projection is fun, but it's like it's like the 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 signpost as you're driving down the street. It's like, oh, this happens. Let me continue down this road. Uh, there's so many ways to actually project. It is libraries and libraries on the on the subject, and I teach people various different ways depending on the type of person. Um, but one of the first things that I always teach that I feel like is paramount is realizing that you are not your physical body. You can hear a lot of the same teaching and idea presented by the Hemisync Institute, or like the Monroe Institute, and you know some of these other schools of, of practice that basically first want to let you know that you are not your physical body. Like you are more than just this corporeal experience of being a human being. You are more. You can experience more. Um, and the simplest way of doing that is bringing someone to the focus of their imagination. I call imagination the muscle of the mind. And the first thing is when you daydream, where are you? What experience are you having? Chances are when you're daydreaming, you're not with your body. You're off having an experience. And then I would go on to say when you're dreaming, where are you? I mean, a, a very literal secular person would say, well, I'm laying in my bed. Well, no, no. When you're in the dream, you are in Hawaii, laying on the beach, sipping sangrias. Like you're having that experience as real and as visceral as this one. So, mm -hmm. what's the commonality? The commonality is whichever you're aware of more intensely is the thing that presents itself as real. Because the dreams feel real when you're in them, especially a nightmare. You wake up sweating, hearts racing because you thought it was real. Mm -hmm. Just like in this reality, chances are when we leave this life, it will feel much the same. We thought this dream experience we were in was very real. Mm. Have you heard of um, Carl Jung's Red Book? Uh, Carl, uh, Carl Jung? Or, uh, was it a different name? Am I mixing it up? Maybe I'm 
Cal, Cal Jung or Cal Jung. I, know, I might be not saying yeah, it yeah, yeah. but the, the it's, like, it's spelled Jung, but Jung. Okay. Jung. I don't know how to say it. Yeah, I, I haven't read the book often. Red, but uh, you know, I, my background is in psychology, so naturally all the study and research is going to be on Jungian psychology and all this other mess. So, yeah. yeah. So in his Red book, he would just simply sit on his chair and he would daydream, mm-hmm. and as he would daydream, he would meet certain characters that would come into the daydream and he would have full-on conversations with them and discuss topics and he's like this is not me so he's aware of himself having these conversations in his inside of his mind or inside of himself but also aware of himself sitting in the chair at the same time it's almost like he's in two places at once and fully cognitive of both mm-hmm. is there is there a way to explain that psychologically is he actually somewhere else can you occupy two places at the same time and not have- not with the current acceptable understanding of psychology no not mm. the psychology that thinks consciousness is a byproduct of the brain wrinkles you know and not mm. not that psychology the psychology or the understanding or ideation that we are spiritual entities mm. you can be in as many places as you want consciousness isn't local you could experience reality in paris and reality right here the only thing is having the ability to focus your mind. I'm sure Carl Jung in that book, he probably talks about the development of this practice of sitting and creating this space in his mind and this imagination. Um, And that's, interestingly enough, what I teach people to do very easily is learning to go on these inner voyages because interesting things do happen. You will start to have entities show up. You will start to have these experiences that almost run themselves just like a dream would carry on by itself Mm. and are there actual legitimate dangers to this sort of work uh this sort of inner work the only dangers that i would say would be your own mind uh the dark crevices and corners of yourself that you don't want to look at but that's sort of the same thing with psychedelics you know it'll give you a look at yourself that you don't normally see But astral projection itself, learning to do that consciously, um, the dangers of that just depend on where you're going, what entities you're working with, and so on and so forth. Have you had much experiences with entities of different kinds, whether willingly or unwillingly? Unwillingly, a lot in the beginning, because I knew nothing of protection or any of that. So I would have a lot of these experiences of what we would call like the paranormal ghost haunting experiences, uh, stomping up the stairs, walls banging, you know, things like that. Uh, Nightmares, obviously. Uh, Waking up, wrestling certain things, you know, things like this. I had a lot of experience with. Wrestling Um, as in like physically wrestling or just mentally? Yes. No, no, no. Um, Sleep paralysis was one of the first experiences I had when I really started diving in spiritually. Yeah. And there are two schools of thought with sleep paralysis. There is the uh, scientific idea that your body is just putting you to sleep. It's paralyzing itself so you don't act out your dreams. And if you're conscious for this, you will start to have uh, hypnagogic hallucinations. And so it's just that the mind is doing its thing and you're consciously aware of it. Uh, Mm -hmm. The spiritual end of it is when your body's asleep, you are no longer limited by the filter of the body and the five senses. So you would naturally experience the spiritual world unencumbered. So anything that you start to experience, the chances are it could be something actually there that you're tapping into. And since I do more work with spirits now than I did then, I know that every place is haunted. It's not like you have to go to some famous cemetery. Spirits are around us all the time. Mm. This is 
you know, everything is overlapping. So they're all here right now. Um, and so, yeah, I, I dealt with a lot of spiritual things. I've, I've met entities in this three-dimensional reality here. Um, I've had lots of, lots of weird experiences yeah. that I don't typically share with people on the street because they, they'd be screaming for me to be locked up. Cause yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, I, I resonate with that quite a lot, to be honest. I, I hold back my stories from most people, but, um, when it comes to dealing with these entities and if are any of them on the negative side that they actually are wanting to cause you harm or distress? Mm-hmm. And second part of that question is how do you protect yourself or what steps do you take to make sure that you are safe physically and energetically? Mm-hmm. I've dealt with negative entities that have come to do me harm. Um, and the way to protect from those things, if, if someone is interested, there are plenty of ways to protect. One would be to know what you're working with. Like, uh, you know, I feel like especially where I live, the the typical culture is you don't know that it's real. So do absolutely everything because you don't know that it's real until it does something. What that does to you is it causes you to get into things you probably shouldn't dabble in. So people will start working with magic. They'll start working with Ouija boards. They'll start calling on spirits and they don't know what they're doing. Uh, So one of the first bits of information is know what you're getting into, know what spirits you're calling, you know, that sort of thing. And if you're just going on a typical voyage out of body, uh, Mm. just surrounding yourself with light and setting the intention that you will be protected, you know, that sort of thing is really easy stuff. Yeah. I find it quite funny how simple and how easy spirituality is once you know the fundamentals. Yeah. It's complicated ourselves because, um, when I first started getting into actual travel, well, I didn't really choose to start. I would just wake up and I'd get like a really fearful feeling within my body and I've got to turn my light on and I flick the switch and it's not, the light's not turning on mm-hmm. and I'm realizing that I'm actually in my actual body, but I can't move around much. I can only move my hands. Then I can start feeling and seeing things and I've had spirits sitting on my bed or whisper to me or have come really close or touched me or just said some really strange things and it's just really freaked me out. But then um, after a certain point, I would be able to leave my body. Or I would set the intention to actual project, but I would project out of this world completely to be somewhere else entirely, like a lucid type dream. Mm-hmm. Um, but what would happen in these lucid dreams is something would happen or trigger me and I would lose control of my emotions, so to speak. And then it would distort the whole place and I would wake up. Hmm. So Interesting. How would how would one gain more emotional control over themselves when it comes to things like fear or when it comes to things like um emotional overwhelm of any of any kind in the, in these realms does it affect your ability to actual travel and lucid dream uh i always go by the the rule of thumb of non-attachment in these sort of situations uh even if your emotional state was extreme excitement and awe it would pull you out of the experience um i it, it just came to mind for whatever reason um the uh terence mckenna I, you most likely have heard of Terence McKenna yeah. as far as his research on um, psychedelic mushrooms. Uh, in this case, he was talking about DMT and he said, uh, you know, I, I went to this DMT realm. I was in this place and there were these these elves and all of this magical stuff going on in this new dimension of reality, basically. And what these entities would say to him is don't lose yourself to amazement. Stay calm, stay relaxed, because for whatever reason, these extreme emotions pull you out of this state. Mm. Um, and so... I feel it is much the same in the astral. When I'm astral projecting, I'm focusing on letting whatever happens, happens. 
yes, it's good to have your desire of what you want to do, but I usually plan what I want to do beforehand, even going into the trip. I write it down. This is what I want to do. This is where I want to go, who I want to see, whatever. And then I go into the experience and I kind of let the experience happen with the intentions I've already set. Uh, oftentimes it's shock of something happening. You see something that shocks you and frightens you and you snap right out of it. You know, you have to you have to be in a place of serenity, peace, mm -hmm. ease as you go through these experiences. OK, I'm going to share one story with you. This is very recent. Of course. And I did. I went to a hypnotherapist to do past life regression. Mm -hmm. This woman was pretty amazing, really beautiful. Like I let my guard down completely and just went into this experience with her. <laughs> and um, that night I had this. I was having really profound dreams, almost nightmarish of different past lives that I've had. I couldn't really compute them all. Then at one point I was coming to the awareness that I was fully awake and lucid and, and conscious, but I was somewhere else in an energetic realm. And it felt like my heart was completely open and something extremely far away was sucking a huge amount of energy out of me, which felt very dark and extremely scary. And all my thoughts would distort and echo as if it were, it were, I was being sucked out of my own body. And I had my hands, which were stuck to my chest, and I couldn't lift them off. I would it almost magnetically being pulled back on. And I was stuck like that for what seemed like a, a good 10, 15 minutes, not being able to break, break out of it. So I was trying to, like, pray and trying to connect to my guides and then calling for protection. And it was extremely intense. And um, eventually it snapped off and went away. I fell back to sleep again. But I remember waking up so afraid, like, what the hell was that, you know? And um, I did some meditating. I did my protection, did my prank, centered myself. I was fine for a few days. Then I edited the video of this hypno, hypnosis session, and the, sa the same thing happened again that night. What would you hmm. think that would possibly be? Hmm. It may be a few things. Uh, I, I tend to think, especially when, when something like that is going on, that you're opening a door to something. Uh, by interacting with that person, not that that person is evil or bad in any way, but they're working with something that is maybe um, out of your your depth at that moment. Mm. Um, it could be that the situation that you experienced perhaps wasn't a terribly ominous thing, just like, you know, you can have an experience of an angel and it could be terrifying simply because you have no grid for such an experience. Mm. Uh, I can attest, like, you know, so... A lot of things can go into it, but I would I would go based on your intuition of the situation. If it happened even after you watch the video, uh, it could just be that there's a door open there and you're inviting this sort of encounter uh, mm. through that. But I don't know enough about the situation. That's true. Yeah. It's the first time I experienced something like that, to be honest. And that was uh, very much very interesting. Right. <laughs> when, when it comes to things like daily practices for yourself to keep yourself <laughs> in tune and um, Energetically charged. What are some things that you do to keep yourself in check? That's a great question. Progressing mentally. Um, I work off of specific programs and routines that uh, I've made that my mentors have given me. So on a daily basis, I meditate about three, four times a day. Um, and I'll start my day and end my day with a cleansing of my aura and my chakras and an alignment of my chakras. And then I kind of rest in that energy for a little while. Uh, and that's just like a basic primer day. Like that's just to get the day started. I'll wake up, cleanse my energies, and then go forward. Because, you know, it's like uh, 
it's spiritual hygiene, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, you don't want to go day to day to day having all the negativity around you, the negativity from people, you know, things like that kind of leeching on your aura. You kind of you got to clean that. Uh, so I, that's normally what I do. Anything other than that would be I would call them skill building meditations where I'm meditating to work on my third eye or uh, have an astral experience or, you know, manipulate my energy, invoke elements, whatever the case may be, whatever I'm working on, usually. Wow. When you're saying invoke elements, are you evoking elements as in like the four or the five elements? Or you mean elementals as in like, like different? Like the elemental energy. spirits? No, uh, elemental, <laughs> uh, like the elements, like the energies, like air, water, fire, okay. that sort of thing. As uh, the properties of those energies. And interestingly enough, those those elements do correspond to spirits. When you look through religious texts, uh, the apocryphal texts, especially with Christianity or, or those those Gnostic texts, uh, teach that the different elements are spirits that can be used and worked with. Um, and so evoking elements is somewhat the same thing. You're invoking air in order to cool the body and do things like telekinesis, or mm. you'd be working with fire, and that would be the basis of pyrokinesis and all those weird things that people kind of just shrug off as like this guy is insane <laughs> so wow no no i get that I, I had a friend of mine he did a he recently did a three and a half gram trip of mushrooms in his room earphones on pitch black mm-hmm. and he went into this vision and it was a past life sort of a vision where he was um i think it was south america but it was he was in the inca tribe he had this feeling he was in the inca tribe and he was a warrior and he died in war and his spirit was a fire spirit so he came back in the fire to his village and he was in the fire looking at his family and they're looking at him the family could perceive him and feel him and know he was there and they were talking to him in the fire while he was just sort of crying and breaking down he couldn't access his family and had so much rage fill up and then he mm-hmm. snapped out of it and came back out so i don't know if that's how fire spirits could work or they some humans could be actually fire spirits or they can somehow merge within each other but we oh, didn't talk that story yeah but I can't confirm or, ver- or verify that. It was just a story that I was told. <laughs> it's just one of those interesting ones. Yeah, I, I haven't yeah. had anything like that. It's very interesting. And when it comes to working with spirits, um, do you connect with your guides or do you do much channeling and have things like that or intentionful downloads that you can access? Mm, the way I work with spirits now and uh, like my guides, usually when I ask for project, I'll call my guides and ask for messages. But in the natural uh, they'll communicate through usually music. A song will come on that's tied in exactly with what I'm thinking about or synchronicities or a ton of those all the time. Um, but when I'm working with spirits specifically, because I, I'm a magician, I work with specific spirits. Don't need to get into exactly what type of spirits they are, but yeah. um, I, I do work with very specific spirits. And a lot of my day is um, evoking the names of these spirits. Uh, because the interesting thing about magic and, and this level of spirituality is that the calling the name of something helps you to match to that entity vibrationally, helping it to interact with your life in that sort of way. So just calling the name of an entity like you would call Jesus, uh, it it makes it possible for certain effects, certain abilities to be present. Wow. Very nuanced here, but yeah, that's a, a general idea. That's pretty cool. And when it comes to working with magic, what is magic? Magic uh, takes several different forms. So, uh, and I don't mean the magic that people are probably thinking like David Blaine and, you know, Chris Angel, that sort of thing. Not not stage hypnotism. Uh, 
magic more like what I'm talking about is more like ritual or occult magic, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the basis of that sort of magic works on the names that you call. And you could think of these as incantations, but there are specific names that have been passed down orally through different cultures mm-hmm. that when you call these names, there are entities that serve those names. And so you call those names and those entities will show up and they will present to you uh, what they can offer you, give you services. Like if you tell the spirit to do this or do that, they'll work with you. Um, So magic on a basic level works through the power of spirits. It's not you that does the magic. It's the spirit that you're calling that goes forth and does certain actions for you. They take Um, credit card? uh, They require other things. (laughs) (laughs) Not credit card, no, but. That's the right idea. Generally, what what are the exchange? Uh, what what are uh, they doing? Depends on the entity. There, like I said, there's several different types of magic. The ones that I'm learning, I learned from a gentleman from Lebanon, and he from someone I believe in Iraq. Um, uh, his mentor. It, it's it's interesting how all of this works. But uh, his mentor learned from a place in Morocco, and that place is uh, Daniel's Cave. It's called. There's a cave in Morocco that the people say opens up once a year and then closes. And if you were to go into this cave, you would learn from the jinn or a uh, earthly dimensional type of spirit. And they would teach you all sorts of magic. Well, his mentor went into this place, learned a great deal of magic and came out and taught three other people. My mentor was one of the three. Wow. Uh, and basically it kind of spreads out from there. Um, it's, it's really it's really wild stuff. Very wild stuff indeed. <laughs> I don't like. know if I answered your question there, but it, it does get quite uh, quite weird, the stuff that goes yeah. on here. <laughs> well, I, I once heard a story of um, someone buying a pot plant from a witch doctor in um, Africa somewhere, I think maybe the mm-hmm. Congo, and this plant would give him huge amounts of wealth and affluence. But he'd have to put a drop of blood in the pot plant every day. Mm-hmm. If he didn't, kind of along the same thing, yeah. Yeah. If he didn't, well, well, he was advised he has to. Otherwise, <laughs> don't let that happen. You're gonna, yeah, he'll spill some blood some other ways, I'm sure. Uh, but um, you don't muck around with the with the spirits. You make a deal. You gotta, yeah, do to it. But the other thing was another lady here who was a healer had a daughter going around in some to some land in Australia, and in the northern Western Australia, it's a very spiritual country because the ancient indigenous that worked there and they have land spirits and these land spirits are very, very powerful. And um, she had to do a healing on her daughter or her daughter's friend on, on some of these lands remotely. And when she, as she went to do it, this voice in her head was like, do not do it. Like, don't. Um, you need permission from the land spirits to, to work there. And she's like, well, my daughter needs help. I'm going to do it anyway. She did it anyway. Did this healing on this sacred land. And then a couple of days later, her son's at the dining room table, a thick marble table. He feels his presence into the home, a mighty presence. And he's like, what the hell is going on? He sits back and the table just cracks in half and falls to the floor. Mm. So, yeah. So some, some of these spirits, I don't know how they do it, but it, it certainly defies all the teachings that I've been taught about how spirits can interact. But some of the, some spirits have these incredible abilities to manipulate the world that we live in. Very powerful spirits, yeah. Uh, yeah. What you mentioned about the pot plant and you know, dropping the blood, it sounds very reminiscent to what I'm learning currently about making contracts with spirits. Um, And a witch doctor is basically like the medium for that. The witch doctor 
or the magician or whatever they would be called in that culture will meet an entity or meet a spirit through some prolonged ritual of seven, maybe 14 or 21 days long of doing a ritual. And uh, they'll meet a spirit and that spirit will say, if you want to work with me, you'll have to do these things specifically, like find this plant, drop a blood in this plant, and you'll receive a certain amount of money every day. Uh, but that's the contract. You need mm. to drop blood in that in that pot plant every day. Otherwise, the contract is broken. Uh, that sort of thing. That, that's largely what I do with spirits uh, currently. I mm. have uh, well, just for I don't know if you can if you can even see it here, but I have a specific stone that I wear. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you can see it, but uh, I had to do a ritual on uh, on my roof at midnight to call this spirit and there's plenty of other you know there are a lot of other steps included in it that i can't share but um the ritual was to summon to me a bodyguard that would protect me and do sort of other things for me and to seal the deal for that i had to put a drop of blood on a piece of paper and burn it you know things like that um where you're making a contract with these entities for them to do what you want them to do in exchange for that essence. You asked me what spirits usually ask for in exchange. Some spirits, if they're what you call holy beings or spirits that are in higher dimensions, they only require incense or uh, devotion in a way. My mentor currently works with certain entities that require him to say prayers thousands and thousands of times in a single day in order for that spirit to show up to him and so that he can work with it things like that so in in a way that prayer is almost like consent or the mind together mm, like i said about calling spirits calling the name of the spirit so that you match it vibrationally the prayers are just like that because these holy beings are such high vibrational entities they, they carry such energy in mm. order for you to stand in their presence just like the spirit you mentioned before the, that that earth spirit uh, the land spirit, the presence of these spirits is so powerful that you have to do certain things to make yourself vibrationally match them. Mm. So in order to meet this holy being, you have to do a specific prayer 5,000 times and then call it uh, for mm. it to show up. Otherwise, it just won't show up. These oh. are it's it, it sets rules like you're knocking on this spirit's door and you're like, hey, I want to work with you. And the spirit's like, OK, we'll do this, this and this and I'll come when you call me. If you don't do it, it won't come essentially this is really interesting because um i was raised in a you know, christian household and mm -hmm. in christianity it's like it's either the holy spirit or it's some kind of devil or demon you know yeah i know exactly <laughs> exactly and, what um, you mean. how did you get how did you get over that going into the work you're going into now and say like, well am i dealing with dark entities who are tricking me or you're getting inducted into this whole new world of it could be just people like you and me who have lived hundreds of years who knows, but what's your take on what these spirits are and where they come from and their uh, intent? So from what I've learned from my mentor, because it's, it's very specific, the things that I've been taught, because they correspond specifically to the spirits that I work with. Um, but it's in a general sense, it can be applied to the whole of the spiritual world. Uh, like you say, Christianity refers to uh, there is the Holy Spirit and every other spirit is like uh, odious, demonic, whatever the case may be. Um, I feel that specifically because Christianity has been, uh, or at least the text, the manuscripts or the, the scriptures of Christianity have been heavily augmented. Things have been 
redacted from them, if you will. Uh, and the, the core message has been changed. Uh, that's why there are scriptures that have been removed from the normal canonization. I could prattle on about that all night, but yeah. um, I believe there are three types of spirits, usually. There are the holy beings uh, that you would consider a, uh, angels, things like that. There yeah. are jinn. Jinn are like a third dimensional sort of entity. And then there the are... Uh, yeah. 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 So they call them jinn. We would call them um, in our culture, hmm, familiars or guides, if oh, you really? want to do that. Yeah, something I thought, I thought of that nature. Referred to the jinns as darker spirits or spirits that hang out in trees and scare people, stuff like that. Uh, they're spirits without allegiance. They okay, they so don't. They they're not good or spirit. bad. Yeah, they're very. They're neutral. They can be whatever they want to be. Uh, they have their own world where they live normally, just like we do, just in their sense, you know, so wow. it's different from us. And then there are spirits that we would call demons or underworld spirits, things like that. And they really don't care. They if they're like working with the mafia, you know, you you want something done. We'll do this in exchange and we'll do that. That's that's basically how they work. Yeah. Wow. And and this, this bodyguard that you've got in the in the astral or the I don't know what yeah. plane he's in. Will he do anything for you or is not anything? No, he has certain uh, he has certain abilities, certain power that he has because he's not an all powerful spirit. He does certain things. There are certain things he can do. Um, but my contract that I made with him was for him to protect me from all sort of attacks, physical, spiritual, and psychic, wow. uh, and to um, you know keep me safe, just general situations like that. Because of the spirits I work with now. Obviously, needing a bodyguard from the spirits I work with now, you could get a rough idea of what entities I'm I'm working with. And okay. I, I, I refer it as like uh, I'm a lion tamer in that way. Uh, wow. Very dangerous spirits I work with, but I have the bodyguard. I know how to respectfully interact with them. And Christianity paints a picture that they are all human-hating, monstrous things, these entities I work with. But it's more along the lines of, they're not going to hold your hand and guide you through this. If you do something wrong, they're going to hurt you because you're hurting them by doing it wrong. For right. instance, when you do a ritual, if you were to do a ritual to summon a spirit, you call the names of that spirit, you follow whatever steps you, you found, and immediately when you start calling the names of that entity, the entity doesn't show up. It sends someone underneath it. It sends someone that works for it to go and be with you to see if you're doing it right for them to show up. Wow. And if you're doing the ritual wrong, you trap that spirit with you. And this is where people get the idea of like, I did something and now something's attached to me. Well, it is because you didn't do it right and it's stuck there because you haven't sent it away. Uh, and so it'll make your life a living hell because it's stuck there with you. And so you see, there's all these like, uh, I guess that I could say, you know, a, a sort of attitude or a, a conduct with these entities. Some people could maybe drunk, pull out a Ouija board, they summon some kind of spirit and the spirit's like, what the hell are you guys doing? I want to get out of here. And that's why it starts making a mess. And mm. so you can sort of let go of it. Cause it, that to me really shows how powerful humans are to be able to summon spirits and have the power over them in a way. So who exactly are we to have this kind of power to be able that's to do very this? Very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Like the Ouija board reminds me, it's the same situation of the lady who was trying to get healing for her daughter. But she didn't ask for permission from those land spirits. Yeah, it's that sort of thing. I don't call spirits unless I have permission, and permission is a sign from the spirit. 
You call the spirit weeks, 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 and one day the spirit will meet you in your dreams. And it'll be like, okay, it's time. You can do the ritual. Like you've, you've matched my level vibrationally. You're ready. Um, I've met before without kind of getting that confirmation from spirits. Um, I had to meet a spirit in a, a cemetery and all sorts of mishaps happened. Uh, things were running around me. I was hearing things growling and moving. It was a whole, it was a, it was a mess. I did it all wrong. It was a mess. Uh, I come to find out that the, the spirit I wanted to contact was there. Um, I just wasn't ready. And so it didn't interact with me. Mm. Um, and the spirits of the cemetery were there and they were messing around with what I was doing. I, I wasn't properly, you know, sending them away, you know, and I had my bodyguard. Otherwise, I feel like uh, there might have been very big problems with that. But you got to stay safe. <laughs> wow, man, this, this is conversation's incredible. I'm really like it, it went in a different yeah. direction than I expected, but I'm I'm ready to roll. <laughs> hey, man, I, I, I actually love it. I'm learning so much and putting things together because I'm just like putting dots together in my own life at the same time as like, well I've, I've been doing these some of these things subconsciously or in different in different ways mm-hmm. I feel like you you have this much broader view because you've been doing so much so much of, of it all and it sounds like you're doing it on your own as well you found your mentors or synchronistically mm-hmm. and you've pulled together this map of different worlds very much I was I was very much a blind guy in a room with a with a stick figuring out where I was going to try to find my way around. And then I would meet, like I said earlier, these specific people who either had amazing abilities, like I could, I could read minds and they would prove that to me, or I would meet someone else who's working with magic and who proves that. And, you know, different things like that, where it's like, oh, I'm, I'm hitting something in the dark. And it's like, oh, I think I know what that is. Like feeling around in the dark for something. You're like, oh, this makes sense now. And you're starting to bring sight to the situation. Um, but it, it definitely does take time. It's a, it's a broad thing. Did any other spirit you're working with or working with now have put you through initiation where you need to face certain fears or have certain situations and they're going to throw you in the deep end and say, Hey, you got to swim because this is, real. you know, you know, more than, than you think you're, you're right on, uh, it, which is exactly my point is that what I'm learning, it's, it's the general information on actually working with spirits. If, if anyone says to you, oh, I can call this spirit today and this spirit tomorrow, that doesn't make any sense. I've been working with the spirits I'm calling now for two, three weeks, maybe a little bit longer. Before that, I was working with spirits, uh, 63 different entities, and I had been calling them for months and months and months. And, you know, like you have to spend time with these spirits because they have to adjust to you. They have to see that you're ready. And oftentimes they will do things like things fall over, knock over in the room. You have dreams about them. And some of the entities I work with are very grotesque, like this bodyguard, for instance. I saw him in a dream and he was he wasn't the the nicest looking guy, which is good. I expect him to be tough, you know. Was it <laughs> but, like you know. alien looking? No, like he's skeleton like part? skeleton more like he uh he has like a his his armor is set with bone and he's a very like ghoulish looking big big fella. And uh, to see that in a dream come up to you very quickly is uh, can be very alarming. But um, I mean, he's he's cool with me. He's you know, <laughs> I'm protected. So that's I keep him in his place. Like he he does his thing. I just I wear the chain and that's it. Wow. You know, I take it off. I don't have the protection. As long as I have it with me, it's we're good. And that's that contract sort of thing because he lives mm-hmm. in the stone. Like he's attached or connected to the stone. That's interesting because I have a friend of mine who does Reiki. He went off camping in Karajini, which is north, northern western Australia as well. 
and he had a little swag and a little tiny fan keeping him cool because it's pretty hot. And um, in the middle of the night, he had this huge energy just wash over him. And his voice was like, turn off the fan. He's like, oh, shit, he turns the fan off. And then he's like just freaked out because his presence is just mighty. And um, the next morning he gets up and he sees that his fiberglass poles for his swag have been snapped in half. And he was like, well, that's really interesting. But he went to a medium a couple of weeks later. And the medium was like, did you meet a spirit out in Karajini? He was like, well, no. He's like, well, the guy that broke your tent pole. Mm. Like, he wants you to know that he's still with you, that he's attached to you, and that you didn't hear your pole snap because he bit it with his teeth. And mm. some of the, the indigenous spirits of this land are quite cheeky and mischievous in that way, but in a harmless way, they like to like mess around a, a little bit. They, they you would call Jin. That, that, that would be yeah. that sort of, because they just hang out here. This is their, their area. Exactly. He's like a very good He finds a rock on that same camping trip, keeps mm. a rock for whatever reason. And then the medium, like, he wants you to know that he's attached to you, but he knows that you do ceremonies. He does men's circles and cacao ceremonies and simple things like that. And it's like, he's known as the master of ceremony for, and in previous years, he's done ceremonies with the indigenous, but he wants to see how ceremonies are done, done now. You guys have a soul contract. So do you mind if he joins you on ceremonies? So he does some, some ceremonies and he's present just watching and observing, but at the same time, Sometimes things can go a little bit wrong in a cheeky way. So some guy was trying to light the fire and he couldn't light the fire. It just wouldn't work. So this guy was blocking the fire for a practical joke. Mm. But as time went by, a few weeks went by, he started feeling the presence of this guy called the master of ceremony. Connect this to the rock, that rock that he had. So he would touch the rock, connect with him and bang, he would be with him. Mm. But this spirit has evolved so quickly and so rapidly because what, what he was saying that he didn't have a purpose for the last few hundred years. He was just roaming the spirits. He had no, nothing to sort of do in a sense. But now that he's been working with him, he's drawn upon more of who he was from different dimensions and he's grown quite rapidly because he has the purpose. And he's saying that we, spirits and humans work together. We're meant to work together so we can both grow and evolve for whatever it is we're doing. Mm. And he's been tapping into so much more power from working with the humans again that he's pulled together so much more energy from who knows where mm-hmm. and i've always always had the notion of entities attached to us but it's always negative and it's always bad and that sort of stuff but i'm hearing stories now when entities attached to people and it's actually for the greater good mm. so it's really opening it's, your mind in that respect hmm. yeah that, that's interesting that's interesting indeed yeah it's not just connections that are negative but again coming from that christian background christianity is a is a limiting spiritual practice because it prevents you from growing beyond it not to say that i hate christianity or the people that follow it it's just if you want to expand spiritually chances are you'll have to step outside the walls of the church and learn things on your own you'll have to go through that you know lonely journey of this spiritual walk um but yeah the the connections that are made with spirits yeah, there's so many, so many stories of oh, just working with spirits and, and meeting people who've got these connections. Uh, when you've established connections with spirits long enough and you've worked with them for long enough, they will just gift you abilities. Like uh, they'll gift you the ability to see into the astral realm or gift you the ability to, you know, project yourself or, you know, things like this to hear people's thoughts because you work with them and you guys develop a friendship. And so they're like, yeah, you know, here's this. I'll teach you how to do this. Like each spirit will teach you how to work the magic 
that they can perform through the use of their name. So mm-hmm. you working with them for an extended period of time, they'll just teach you more and more. Wow. And if you are coming face to face with a negative entity, what would you believe? Is there any way you can get rid of them or keep yourself safe in that small amount of time you've got where you're thrown in the deep end, so to speak? Uh, there is a, a deep end experience. That's why it's advisable to have a mentor, especially if you're working with darker entities. Like I'm not working with them alone. Everything I've gotten, I've gotten from my mentor and him from his. Like this, you know, that that sort of lineage. I wouldn't be doing any of the work I'm doing with darker entities unless I had protection, unless I had someone external to me who could help me. But um, from my experience, anyone who wants to get into magic or develop this sort of thing, they have to cleanse themselves. And that's how you would get rid of these spirits if you didn't want them there. You'd have to sever the connection, uh, send the spirits away properly because they are attached to you. They are there and they can't leave uh, because you've called them and they serve those names you've called. Um, And it's just a matter of of cleansing. When it comes to this level of of magic, simply putting a white light around you isn't going to cut it. Like there's something there that you have to send away. It's not like... You know, you've got up a net from mosquitoes outside, you know, it's like, you know, somebody else is there in your house and you're like, dude, I got to get out of here. Like, I, I got to go back home to my tribe of other spirits. Like, I'm, I'm stuck here with you. And so you have to there are cleansing rituals, things like that, that you have to perform. And every culture of people has those. Well, is it a simple? Is it quite simple? Is it just as giving them permission to leave or is it actually like an actual whole thing you got to do to, to get them out? No, no, no. It's, it's a whole thing can take depending on how how wrong you've done something or how much you've allowed a spirit to kind of interfere, interfere with your life. I've got rituals for cleansing that took months, you know, uh, where you have to do it every single day. You've got to burn sage. You've got to read this prayer 100, 200, 300 times. It can be quite lengthy, but that's if you're seriously in with something. Like something is there and it's giving you a hard time. Like, yeah, you got to go, bud. Like, wow. get out of here, you know? And can can your spirit guide or bodyguard do that for you? If per chance if you you're if you're working with them in that way, yes. Yeah. Uh, the bodyguard would would give me information, or it would meet me in a dream, or it would tell me uh, in person, like, "Hey, you need to do this. Like, if there's something going on. You have to do that." With the bodyguard, the bodyguard would just stop them from even getting attached. Like, he's the line of defense. Wow. Uh, if I do something wrong in a ritual, the spirit won't won't attack me. The bodyguard will send them away. Like he's the mediator for that. Uh, but your spirit guys, on the other hand, they would have to uh, because spirit guys have a more of a hands off sort of teaching experience with us. Mm-hmm. They would find a way to give you that information through someone else or, you know, synchronistically or you know intuitively uh, for you to make the right choices. Wow. I've had someone because um, I, I do this sort of this sort of work of cleansing and things. And my mentor works very closely with people. I've had a lady come to me said like uh, i was told about you in a in a dream from my spirit guys they told me that you would be the person that could help me get rid of these spirits that are bothering me um they said you wouldn't be able to but someone you know like your mentor would be able to help me and so i created that connection my mentor was able to it's it's always interesting meeting people who can just discern things about your life without you telling them and it's yeah. it's always interesting to watch it's like wow well, look at that i i had a dream actually um this morning in relation to you but it wasn't oh, anything, no. wasn't anything serious it was just um actually a, a price list came through mm. cool about sharing something or getting something out there and it was 
I saw these prices pop up, like, doo -doo -doo -doo, and I was like, whoa, that's interesting. And then all of a sudden, I was at the bottom of the ocean. I saw this big flash, like a camera flash, like doof, taking a flash of me as if I was on, on camera. And I was like, whoa, I, I don't know whether that was you or one of the spirits you work with, sort of, <laughs> who knows? Or it could be completely off. It could just be my subconscious just making assumptions. Oh, it definitely could be. Uh, I tend to have an open mind about it simply because the spirits aren't, like, I'm not their master. We just work for the same means. Like, I want to work with you. They want to work with me. They're like, cool. So if I have something going on, they most definitely could do that. They could make that connection. Yeah. Uh, one thing that normally happens with my mentor is that spirits will just meet him because his third eye is open. They just come up to him. They appear before him and they're like, hey, you're so-and-so. I want to work with you. And he'll be like, I'm working with this many spirits right now. Maybe later I'll work with you. That sort of thing. Because he's been doing it for over decades long. And, you know, for him, it's like you develop a reputation in their world the more you work with them. This is why a witch doctor would be so coveted in a culture because they dedicate their life to working with spirits. So when it comes time to, you know, figure out how to heal someone, you know, they can ask the spirits, is there anyone that can help this? Or they go and they, they figure that information out and the spirit will come to them and say, hey, I have this, I can help you with that, let's work together and so so on and so forth. May need to make a contract, may not, but it's it's far, far more, far more real than what we're led on to believe in society. Why do you think that is? Why is this this whole, do you, do you believe that the, the top religions and top politicians and the cabal quote, know the power of these entities and the power of us, that they deliberately ruin this connection? I feel there is some, some purposeful manipulation and some of it is just the product of living in a world of people who have different intentions. So like the religious establishment, you can't control people when they can just go to their own source and learn and get information. So you have to make them believe that anything outside of your one way is wrong. You can't control people when they can go anywhere. You know, there are many wells you can draw water from. You don't need my well, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So there is some purposeful manipulation. On the other hand, it's just these societal systems we've made, like capitalism and things like that, make it difficult to prioritize parts of your life around spirituality because in a large sense, it does not make money. You can't be spiritual and then gain capitalistic, you know, notches or anything like that. It's, it's a one or the other sort of world that we live in right now. So mm -hmm. you actively have to choose against the norm in order to learn these things. That's very true. Wow. And can we time travel? Or experience or astral project backwards in time or forwards in time. Mm. You're not the only person that asked me that today, interestingly enough. Uh, I do believe it is a thing. I've done it, though not purposely. I had an experience in the astral realm where I was trying to kind of mess around with how long I stayed out of my body. Uh, this sort of time dilation, I called it. Uh, am I coming up blurry for you? Oh, there we go. Yeah. Okay. My apologies. Um I had this experience where I wanted to extend how long I stayed out of body. Um, and so as I was out of body, I, I just said time dilate. And I kept repeating that and repeating that. And it was like a shockwave went through the area that I was in. And in a moment, the ground was moving like it was a conveyor belt. I could see through the walls to the outside. Uh, you know, everything was moving the way that you would see in like a Doctor Strange movie when they're in the mirror dimension and everything is kind of like kaleidoscopically turning and shifting. It was much like that. So it was very disorienting. 
And I didn't know what was going on. I was like, oh, this is weird. Let me step back from this. And I turned around and everything I could see in front of me looked like uh, it looked like a kaleidoscopic image. Like there were shards of different timelines of my life. Uh, and this is one of the craziest things I experienced in, in the astral. Um, so like my vision in front of me, like 120 degrees of vision was these shards of reality like if you were turning a kaleidoscope you'd see the different shards and images and in each shard i could see a different moment of my life the beginning of a conversation and the end of a conversation uh, i could see me young i could see me old and it was like i was beginning to get sucked into this image um and uh it was the sort of fear that you would get if you were steps away from falling off of a roof it was that like, oh, my God, I need to back out of this. I don't know what I'm getting into. And I was back in my body in an instant. Um, so instances like that I, make me believe, yes, you can definitely move through time in the astral because time isn't something that affects you when you're outside of this physical reality. Like if you're not in the body, it wouldn't have any effect. So quick question. You were just saying time dilate, like, almost like you were just commanding or in setting your intention to make something happen and that's all it is exactly especially especially when you're out of body and doing these things intention is power uh mm. there's a quote like uh, you're in a realm where mind and matter meet you know you just uh, i'm sorry I, I think it's like the autofocus <laughs> thing yeah i gotta i gotta fix that but you, you're in a realm where where mind and matter meet you're in this place where your thoughts become reality so if you are in, an, in a situation and you begin to think very negatively you can manifest those negative things happening if not open the door for them to happen True. that sort of thing and um if you were to when you were seeing yourself in all those different fractals of time going in the back do you reckon you could influence the timeline of your life by going back planting a seed inside your mind at that point to change the your present time is that a possibility uh, you believe it wouldn't be from my experience of of hearing people talk about those things my mentor has done something like that mm. um you don't affect this reality. You go back in time, you're going back to a different timeline where, you know, you're doing whatever the case. If you believe the quantum physics idea that the many worlds there, that there are many different yous all mm. acting out some decision you made different from this one, so on and so forth, you're traveling back into a different timeline. And the things that you do in this timeline don't affect the one you left. Wow. You know? to prevent you from going back and stopping your parents from meeting and you just never existing, that sort of thing. <laughs> then you would never exist to go back and stop your parents from meeting, that sort of grandfather paradox. Um, Do you have any idea of um, who actually is running the world in these secret societies and what spirits they're working with? Mm, they're definitely working with something. You don't gain the power that this 1% uh, elite globalist group has without having some outside force. I don't know specifically. I could I could throw out names and families and Bilderbergers or, you know, Rockefellers, things like that, that people have heard from Illuminati videos on YouTube. But uh, yeah. me personally, I don't I don't have inside information from someone who's been in that. So I wouldn't I wouldn't base my life around any sort of uh, conspiratorial information like that. I go by things I've experienced and people mm -hmm. that have experienced them that I trust. But uh, I do believe that there are groups of people who largely run the world because they have all the money and they have a specific agenda, whether that's uh, a one world government or whatever the case. 
I'm sure. not sure. Well, what do you think money is? And is there any ways to attain it or manifest it or manifest in general in your mm. experience? Uh, money, legal tender, money is just this this way that we've bartered in this system, you know. Um, so I don't I don't think there's anything deeper I can add to what money is, aside mm. from like if you wanted to go into a f- philosophical place and say money is the root of all evil or the love of money, as the Bible says, is the root of all evil. I definitely believe in that, uh, the greed and and desire for money and power. I, I definitely think is why we experience so much hardship. But manifestation, manifestation is matching the vibration of the reality you want. It's it's our power as, as human beings to create the world we want to live in, to create our reality. Um, so and you can one of the, summon a reality the same way you summon a spirit? Uh, it's the same idea in a way because you're matching that reality vibrationally. Uh, mm. And so guys like... Hmm. Yeah, there's a book called Becoming Supernatural. I forget the writer of that book. Jerry Dispenza. Yeah, Dispenza. Yeah, he talks about the the uh, the realm of possibility. Like you're you tap into this place, and what you ask for, you you receive through your emotions. I find that the best way to manifest is to visualize what you want to happen and feel that outcome. Feel yourself in that place, and to be thankful, and you know all those other things, as though you already have it. Um, so anyone trying to manifest, that would be the best way and start small. My experience with manifestation is start by, you know, uh, I want a specific drink from somewhere. I'm just, I want this. And chances are someone will bring it to you out of the blue, you know, unbeknownst to you. Like you have to start by building your muscles in these things. A lot of people just want to jump from zero to a hundred. And, uh, that's not how you advance really in anything in life. Good, good way to put it. Um, now when it comes to like aligning your chakras and allowing the energy to flow through your whole being. Some people believe that they need to have this incredible healing process to remove trauma and these all different types of things, which could take, you know, lifetimes to align all their chakras. What is your take on that kind of philosophy? Um, I, I feel in a way that can be limiting. Uh, and the focus on your wounds and your uh, your flaws can detract you from making advancement. Have you ever been in a situation where the road to progress would be so long that you don't even start down the road? It's that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, let what's out of your control be out of your control and what you can control, what you can do. Just worry about that. Uh, I've been taught something very different about healing and aligning chakras that doesn't line up with what people see in the mainstream. Um, and it's, it is something that you can learn and that you can do. It doesn't take lifetimes. It just takes knowing how to do it. Mm. You know, you can try for years to learn how to drive, but when you go to a driving instructor, they'll teach you exactly how to do it very quickly. Mm. You know, there, there are ways to do things. You just, you need someone to teach you. Um, Mm. I've said before, especially on TikTok, you don't need a guru. You don't need a mentor or a master because I didn't have one for a long time. Mm. I learned, like I said earlier, like a blind guy feeling around in the dark or like anyone feeling around in the dark, like Mm. you'll eventually bump into what you need to bump into. But if you can find someone who's been farther down the road than you have to teach you. Beautiful. Is there one quick tip you can give to people to align their chakras or clear their auric field? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, One thing that I teach with the, the meditation program, I give anybody that learned from me. Uh, for 
clearing their their aura is uh, an easy way to do that is like you said earlier to imagine light around the body mm-hmm. um since the astral world is governed a lot by your mind and your imagination and that gives you the ability to tap into that just beginning to imagine and visualize this aura of light around the body you will feel that energy Mm. Um, and then saying in your mind adding affirmation to it and saying i'm cleansing my aura i'm doing this i'm doing that Uh, i'm removing negative energies Uh, sitting in that for five minutes you will feel much lighter coming out of it. The same with your chakras, very simple meditation. You can uh, visualize your chakras. You don't have to know really anything about chakras. Just visualize them where they are, have a rough idea, and just imagine them lighting up and brightening like stars. Uh, Couple that with the meditation of just sitting in a a bright aura of light Mm. and have the stars shining out of them and just sit in that. Uh, It's a very powerful meditation. I love that. Absolutely love that. All right. Is there a question that you wish people would ask you? Uh, <laughs> uh, I guess I could. Uh, a question that I feel would be really useful if people asked would be. Um, are you afraid of death? Because I feel like it's a question that tumbles around people's minds all the time, not just for me, but just in their own lives. Mm-hmm. Um and it's a it's a powerful question. Uh, are you afraid of death? And if not, why? And astral projection is part of that reason. Uh, working with spirits, becoming more spiritual, more awakened, you know, observing reality the way that I do and so many other people is it lets you know that you're not just this body. You're not trapped here in this body. That mm-hmm. when you pass on from this, it's not just black. There's more because you're teaching yourself to tap into that more as you go through your life. So if I were to answer the question, I'd say, no, I'm not afraid of death. And because I'm working in that world already. Mm. So it's not going to be a foreign place to me when I get there. Wow. I want to share one last story with you. This is in line with death. I was going through a period of my life a few years ago where I was very down in the dumps, very depressed. It's like, what am I doing here? I should just leave that kind of those kind of thinkings. And um, I remember I had this dream. I was sitting on a park bench reading this book, and I felt this mighty presence just pop in behind me. Like, for some reason, I felt that it was Ramses II. I don't know why, but that's the feeling that came through. I'm like, whoa. And all of a sudden, I was flying with one of my um, spirit guides. We arrived in this place, this big building, no walls. And then we're sitting in this huge line, like the DMV, and there's an office in the middle there. I was like, what are we doing here? He's like, this is the place where we get to negotiate the terms of you leaving Earth. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? And like, he's like, you don't have to stay here. If you want to go, you can go. You just have a chat to these people and then you can just you can actually decide. And I was like, well, no, 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 I don't want to go. Like, no, 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 don't, don't, no, just keep me here, you know? Sort of freaking out a bit. And then all of a sudden I wake up in my room seamlessly buzzing. Mm-hmm. And then the voice that came through my head is like, you can leave whenever you want. You don't have to, to stay here, but you have to negotiate or there is some terms because you've obviously agreed to come here. So you need to agree to fill those terms mm-hmm. in another way. And I was just like, whoa, that's gives you an example of how much power we have over our, over everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We decided mm-hmm. to come here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And the other thing is um, when it comes to things like remote viewing or astral traveling in areas like the white house, area 51, things of that nature, are there any protection mechanisms that block you off from accessing these places that mm, very good question. Of these things? 
I've experienced this uh, these force field experiences. I've tried going to the White House a number of times, like these hotspot areas, Area 51, things like that. And mm. the intention to do that somehow when I'm in the astral, when I set to do that, uh, the experience will end. Wow. I don't know how that happens. I've heard other people's stories like they try to go to those places and there's like a force field somehow preventing them from going in. Um, I've heard other people say that there are people there who also astral project or that it's like some team of people. They, they know what they're doing over there. And so yeah, they yeah, trap you. Experts or something. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they can trap you there somehow and, you know, uh, prevent you from coming in. There's lots of interesting things with that. Um, but it's a thing of experience. You know, you keep trying something. Well, what if like <laughs> we, went one of those there, things. we went on mass? Ah, uh, like so in, like the an Area 51 raid out of body. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be very interesting. I have yeah. to put something like that together. Yeah. Maybe, man. That sounds pretty funny. I don't know. Okay. Um, and last question. When it comes to um, symbols, the Freemasons, Illuminati, and these different symbols, what are they doing with the symbols and what are the powers of symbols that you've, have you heard of much about these things? Uh, the power of symbols, I think of sigils and sigils are a bit different than what I learned before meeting my mentor currently. Mm. Uh, and sigils do look like what you'd find in the Freemason symbol. Like, you know, that, I mean, people would say that the Freemason symbol was just made up because they were Masons and they just made something up. Um, but in general, the power of symbols and images, um, just being able, I don't know how it works, I don't know why it works, but certain symbols used in tandem with uh, names and words of power and things like that will garner a result. Like you'll be able to manipulate reality. And so when you're using sigils in that way or specific images, then mm -hmm. they, they will have an interesting effect. You know, you'll, you'll be able to, it's just another way of having a spirit do something that you want it to do. Wow. Yeah. It's just another uh, puzzle piece. A friend of mine wears this necklace. And it's got these certain symbols and shapes on it. And he calls it, I think it's biogeometry. Mm. And he was saying that someone in Egypt wrote a book about it. And it's saying certain images or certain shapes have a certain energy. So he can wear this and it cleanses his auric field. But I was thinking that somehow Freemasons or Illuminati had these symbols that would let off a certain frequency that could affect the minds of people. But I'm not sure if that's true because I haven't read the book. I don't know. <laughs> I, I honestly um, don't know. That'd be very interesting. I mean, yep. subliminal messaging, but uh, what mm. you're talking about seems much more intentional. Yeah, mm. and there was another friend of mine who has, um, he said, if you, if you find a list of what you want to manifest, mm. um, turn that list into a symbol somehow that interlinks, and whoever sees that symbol will actually be feeding energy into your manifestation. Hmm. But I've never tried that or heard of that, but um, I was seeing if I could confirm that with somebody else before I'm... Yeah move forward in these, in these things but um <laughs> oh you may have to you may have to just jump into the deep end on that one i haven't yeah I haven't, yeah uh, i have a lot of hesitation jumping into the deep end to be honest um due to the fact of so many unknowns and i've had a lot of negative experiences with entities um like psychic attacks like energy being pulled and all kinds of strange things but now i've got myself to a clear space where i'm working only with my guides and it's quite love is quite light and it's very simple so mm. the deep end is a place that I'm toying with at this point in my life. 
you're you're someone with a lot of different doorways. Like uh, I, I see you right now standing in front of you're standing in front of a wall, and the wall has many doors on it. Just doors. Yeah. Um, you have the access to all of these doors. What I feel like you need to wait on is for your guys to guide you to the right door. You're going to learn all of these things. They don't come across your path for no reason. Um, mm. There's just a specific way that would be best for you to get to them. And your guides know that. So, uh, And I feel like it's a, a lot of your stress about knowing what to do exactly, following the right path exactly. Mm. Um, l- kind of let your hands off the steering wheel and just allow the, the current to take you. Don't try mm. to bend the river. Just... Just go with it because you're going to reach where you want to reach anyway. Because like you, you made the contract before you came into this life of what mm. you wanted to have happen. That's a very good point. Um, actually, there's one thing that's been happening to me recently, the last sort of few months. I was sitting in my bed reading a book or on my phone, and I feel as if gravity is pushing me to the right, not down. And I'm like, mm. what the hell's going? The whole thing is just warping this way. Then I really try and focus on it, and it might go away. Then it will push the other way. And I'm freaking out like man, have I got tinnitus or some crazy disorder? <laughs> like, mm. But then it will level out again. And I'm just, what do you think that possibly could be? So many weird things. Uh, I find a lot of those weird things to be like a nudge from higher self, a nudge from your guides, like, hey, you need to be on focus or it's time to meditate, it's time to dive into something. Uh, all sorts of oddities. I'll start to see energies in the air start to move or things like that. I'll be like, what's going on here? You know, a similar thing, people hearing like uh, like the their one of their ears like muffling and things like that. It's like different signs. That could be a sign for you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Pretty change. Follow the intuition. <laughs> so it feels like, oh, man, thank you so much for this chat, man. This was exceeded my expectations and um, absolutely incredible, bro. I'm so appreciative of it. I, I feel like I got more listening to you tell me these stories. It was very interesting. Hey, man, it was a, a, very, now good, I, a very good synergy, I reckon. I have to go to Australia now. North Australia, I know. I've, I've already pinned it in my mind as like the Caragini. spiritual hub. Karajini. Yeah. Well, apparently people people do psychedelics up there and they'll freak out and they'll scream or something will go wrong because the land is so sacred that these spirits don't want people coming in there and just partying it up or having, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's serious, like spiritual business and reverence and respect needs to be taken. And so you can't ignore those messages because they don't muck around. That seems like just the place for me to be. <laughs> yeah, 100%, man. Karajini. Uh, I'll definitely down. check it out. All it's right. on the list. You take care, man. I hope we can do this again sometime soon once we, once I level up so I can ask you some deeper questions. <laughs> got to level up, yeah. yeah I got to level yeah. up to you. What do you mean? Hey, it's uh, I, I heard a phrase before you go. It's uh, learn slash teaching. As I teach you, I learn. And as you learn, you teach me and vice versa. You mm. teach me, you learn. Because we're all one at the end of the day. Like it's so we're all just trying to grow. Yeah. Mm. Trying to grow together. 100%, man. All right, man. Much love, my bro. I appreciate it. And I'll, mm. I'll be seeing you soon. My pleasure. Thank you so much.